The reason you find it hard to pray sometimes is because that earthly kingdom that holds us so tight prevents us from entering in to the power and the presence of the eternal, heavenly, spiritual kingdom. You've had moments in your life where you thought you should pray. And you didn't. And you thought in your mind, you reasoned, you said, I can do that later. It's not that important. Everything will be okay. That is earthly thinking, not heavenly thinking. What God does in Christ is he programs our mind in such a way that we begin to think like he thinks. That's why it tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 2 that we are to have the mind of Christ. We are to think like Christ thinks, act like Christ acts, speak like Christ speaks, always caring about in this body the very presence and the glory of God. What we're going to look at today is from the book of Exodus chapter 16. It's a story about Israel. We're on a journey. We've taken Israel now across the Red Sea. We took them to the waters of Marah in chapter 15 last week. And now they find themselves in this constant cycle of rejoicing over the miracles of God, then complaining about what God is doing, and then rejoicing over the miracles of God, and then complaining about what God is doing. Does it sound familiar? <laughs> Sounds like my life and your life. How easy we forget the miracle of yesterday, and how, how often we fail to look to the miracle of tomorrow. I want to give you a wilderness report, kind of take you, bring you up to date with where we've been over the last several weeks. Here's the first one. You can be in the middle of a miracle and not know it. I mean, things could be spinning in your world right now. God is arranging people and circumstances in such a way that he's working a miracle and you not know it's a miracle and you find yourself like Israel murmuring and complaining, going, God, what are you going to do? And God's going, I'm working a miracle. I'm in the middle of it right now. Listen, pay attention. Watch what I'm doing. Second truth is this. Warriors are created in the wilderness. Do you ever wonder why it's hard to live the Christian life? Because God is raising up warriors. God doesn't want people who take Christianity as a hobby. He wants people who will take Christianity seriously and say, we are in a battle for the souls of men and women and boys and girls. If we don't contend for the souls of men and women, who will? If we don't stand for Christ, who will? If we don't make a difference, who will? I don't know if you've looked around lately, but we're losing a little bit of ground when it comes to our influence in the world as believers in Jesus Christ. I think it's time to say enough of that. Let's take back ground. Let's not take the same ground twice. Let's push forward at the kingdom of God. Here's another truth. What you call bitter, God calls sweet. Think about it. We look at the suffering of Jesus on the cross, and we say, what bitterness that was, what difficulty, what struggle. God says, that's sweet. Because I know what that does. That is the redemption of mankind. The sins of every man and woman, boy and girl, throughout all of time. 
was atoned for at the cross, and all they had to do was believe. And that's sweet. When they came to the waters of Mara last week, we read, it says the waters of Mara were bitter, and they murmured against Moses. God said, I'm going to show you a tree. You know, we've got a tree. It's called the tree of Calvary. And it's there where all the bitterness of sin is made sweet. You got a prayer card earlier when you came in, probably. If you want to fill that card out and at our communion time a little bit later and just there's nails on that, you can just punch your, your prayer card right on there if you want. Because you know what? When you put it and leave it on the cross, it's transformational. Here's the fourth thing in the wilderness journey today. You see God in the wilderness. You actually see God in the wilderness. You don't see him when everything's going well. Have you ever noticed how complacent you can get when all things are well and how good you are at prayer when things aren't? You want to hear me really praying? Let me have a setback. You want to hear not so good a prayer? Let everything go great for me. God knows how to, to shape me in such a way to conform me into the image of his son. And he does it powerfully through circumstances and people and his word and the spirit of God. I want you to take your Bibles. Let's look and see what's happening to our wilderness travelers today. Now remember, it took them 40 years. 40 years to get to where God wanted them to go. So I've calculated that we'll be done with this series. In 2052. How does that sound? Well, we'll, we'll go a little bit quicker route. How does that sound? All right. Exodus chapter 16, verse 1. And they journeyed from Elam. I bet they didn't like that. Say they left Elam as a place of palms and springs. You know what the truth is here? You can't stay there. You can't stay in Elam and see God. You can't stay in your place of comfort and see God. You know how you spell faith? Let me spell it for you. R-I-S-K. New way of spelling, huh? You can't spell it the other way. You have to spell it risk. This is the riskiest Bible. This is the riskiest book, this Bible, because what it does is it calls on us to step out and trust God. They journeyed from Elam. The congregation of the children of Israel came to the wilderness of sin, which was between Elam and Sinai on the 15th day of the second month, after they departed from the land of Egypt. Then the whole congregation of the children of Israel, let's say it together. What did they say? Complain. They murmured or complained. Let's just say complain together. Ready? They complain. Anybody ever heard anybody complain? Anybody complain on the way to, work, to church today? Raise your hand. Let me see the complainers. A couple of people are honest. The rest of you lie about other things too. I'm going to show you something about murmuring or complaining. I think there's God's in it. And it's, it's an interesting twist. God gave me this morning at 3.30. I got up 3.30, started working on my message, and I went back, got in bed. It was about 5.30. She said, oh, is it time to get up? My wife says, is it time to get up? And I said, I'm going to bed. I've had it all night down there working in the Word of God. And I'm going to show you something really interesting. They complained against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. Who got them in the wilderness in the first place? Aaron and Moses? God did, not those guys didn't seem right to complain against God, so they took the guys. 
Then the whole congregation, they complained. Verse 3, the children of Israel said, Oh, that we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt. When we sat by the pots of meat, when we ate bread to the full. Does that sound like the picture they had in Egypt? I seem to remember that they were complaining and they were making bricks out of straw and slime and they were murmuring and complaining all the time. Now they're going, it was like a barbecue every week. <laughs> Big pot of meat, vegetables, Egyptians serving us on every hand. You ever notice how you idolize the past? We talk about the good old days. You know why? Because we forget about the bad old days. That's why. And look what it says here. And, and it says, and you have brought us out into the wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. Oh, my gosh. Ten plagues. God worked in, in the land of Egypt, delivered them out. The Egyptians emptied their pockets, gave them all their silver and gold. They crossed the Red Sea. The Egyptians lost their life in the Red Sea. He turned the water from bitter into sweet, and they're going, you brought us out here to kill us. It's just craziness, isn't it? Then the Lord said unto Moses, Behold, I will rain down bread from heaven. If you were God, would you have said that? I said, I'm tired of the whole bunch. I'm pulling the plug again, and I'm going to flood the world. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to rain down bread from heaven. Guess what just happened? The spiritual just invaded the physical. The heavenly just invaded the earthly. The supernatural just invaded the natural. I'm going to rain down bread from heaven. That's why we're going to see a little bit later when Jesus said, I am the bread of life. Come down from above. Sent from the Father, John chapter 6. That you might have life. Invasion. God is invading our world and we have to receive him and allow him into our world. I'm going to rain down bread from heaven, and the people shall go out and gather a certain quota every day that I might test them whether or not they will walk in my law. In other words, I'm going to only give them enough bread for the day. You see, God only gives you what you need daily. You try to get a week's supply from God, see what happens. It doesn't work. And he says it's all about a test, and it shall be on the sixth day that they shall prepare what they bring in, and I shall, it shall be twice as much as they gather daily. So he said, what I'm going to do on the sixth day, I'm going to give you twice as much so you don't have to labor or gather on the Sabbath day. Moses and Aaron said to all the children of Israel, At evening you shall know that the Lord has brought you out of the land of Egypt. Does that not seem like a dumb statement? I mean, look at it. They don't know God got them out of Egypt? It's going to take bread from heaven for them to figure out that God brought them out of Egypt? You ever wonder if God just tired of you? Doesn't listen to you? Ever wondered, maybe I'm just better off not even around? It's a human way of thinking, isn't it? Mm -hmm. It's not unusual for people to think like that. In despair, in discouragement, in defeat, you think, what's the use? I work and I labor so hard, and I don't feel like I'm getting anywhere. In which kingdom? You see, if you're only concerned about the earthly kingdom, then you can get discouraged. But if you think, wow, this is shaping me, and, and what God is doing right now is preparing me for an eternal kingdom. It changes everything, does it not? Look what he says. Verse 7. In the morning you shall see the glory of the Lord, for he hears your complaints against the Lord. But what are we? 
What that you complain against us is Moses said, This shall be seen when the Lord gives you meal to eat in the evening. He says you're going to see the glory of God. Hey, guess what it says in John chapter 1 and verse 14? We beheld his glory. Speaking of Jesus. The glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and full of truth. Philip said, hey, show us the Father, it'll be enough. Have I been with you so long and you don't know me, Philip? He who has seen me has seen the Father. I am. I am God in the flesh. I dwell among you. I am manifest in your presence, the glory of God. Moses said, this shall be seen, and the Lord gives you meat to eat in the evening, and the morning bread to the full, for the Lord hears. I love it. You know what I love about this right here? Think. Bread in the morning, meat in the evening. You know what that means? Sandwich. <laughs> it's a sandwich. God's saying, this is the first sandwich in the Bible. Right here, Exodus 16. I know I read the Bible a little different than most people, don't I? All right. For you... Uh, it says here, so, uh, for the Lord hears your complaints which you are to make, make against him. And, and who are we? Your complaints are not against us, but against the Lord. Verse 9, and then Moses spoke to Aaron, say to all the congregation of the children of Israel, come near before the Lord, for he has heard your complaints. It came to pass, as Aaron spoke to the whole congregation of the children of Israel, that they looked toward the wilderness, and behold, the glory of the Lord appeared in a cloud. Do you notice they did not see the glory until they looked to the wilderness? Until you see God in the backdrop of reality, you don't really understand and see God in all his strength and all his strength. He says in verse 11, the Lord spoke to Moses saying, I've heard the complaints of the children of Israel. Speak to them saying, at twilight you shall eat meat, in the morning you shall be filled with bread. For I, uh, you shall know that I am the Lord your God. I am Jehovah your Elohim. I am the covenant God and I am the all-powerful God. I want you to see... Something about living between a rock and a hard place. I don't know the origin of that idiom. I looked it up. I tried to figure out what it was, where it all came from. But, it, but I understand it, and you understand it, do you not? We know what it means. It seems like you don't have a good choice. You see, Israel couldn't go back to Egypt, and they didn't want to go forward. And they were stuck right where they are. And they're saying, well, well, what do we do? Trust God. Yeah, but trust God. But you don't under trust God. Because here's a law. I want you to jot this down. It's called the law of unlimited supply. The law of unlimited supply. It works like this. We all have a concept of measurement, how we measure things, don't we? But you only need one, one way of measuring, and it is based on God's infinite ability and capacity. What has God got to supply? Not what you have to supply. What has God got to supply? Because you see, God is a God of the increase. God is a God of abundance. I love this scripture found in Deuteronomy chapter 8. You might want to just jot the reference down and check it out later if you, or turn to it. But Deuteronomy chapter 8, verses 2 and 3. Listen to what it says. And you shall remember. You shall remember that the Lord your God led you all, these, all this way these 40 years in the wilderness. And here's why. You ready for three things? To humble you. It's the first one. To humble you. Secondly, to test you. And third, to know what is in your heart. Whether you would keep his commandments or not. So he humbled you, and he allowed you to hunger, and he fed you with manna, 
which you did not know, nor did your fathers know, that he might make you to know that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Amen. A very famous person quoted that one time. His name was Jesus. He did it in Matthew chapter 4 when Satan came to him and said, If you are the Son of God and you are hungry, turn these stones into bread. And he said, It is written, You shall not tempt the Lord your God. And then he quoted from Deuteronomy chapter 8. Because you see, that is how we are to live, by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. There's an interesting scripture, we put it in your notes, it's 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 1 through 4. Let me just read that to you, it goes like this. Moreover, brethren, I do not want you to be unaware that our fathers were all under the cloud. Now, a lot of people don't read the Old Testament because they think, well, I'm a New Testament believer. You cannot understand the New Testament unless you understand the Old Testament. Because this verse right here, it says, well, what cloud, what are they talking about if you never read the Old Testament? This is the cloud that led them in the wilderness. And it said they were, they were all under the cloud. They all passed through the sea. That's the Red Sea. All were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. Interesting, isn't it? Baptism is identification with, belief in. So when I am physically baptized in water, what I'm saying is I identify with Christ and what Christ said to do and what Christ did on the cross. And when I'm raised up out of that water to walk in the of life, I'm identifying with his resurrection. The most significant historical event in the Old Testament is the crossing of the Red Sea for the people of Israel. Because it symbolized the greatest act of faith. It was deliverance out of Pharaoh who was symbolic of Satan. The wilderness wandering is a picture of our life here on earth. And then they get into Canaan, it's a picture of, of living in the fullness of God. And so it says here that when, you, when they identified with Moses, they were saying, we believe he is the spokesman of God, God has spoke to him, and we're going to be baptized into him and in the sea. And then look what it says, they all ate the same spiritual food. Spiritual food. They all drank the same spiritual drink. For they all followed that spiritual rock that followed them, and that rock was Christ. We're going to learn in the next week or two about this rock that God's, when they needed water, Moses said, uh, God told Moses, go over and strike the rock and it'll bring forth water. And he went over and struck the rock and it did. And the Bible says here that rock was Christ. In other words, that was a picture of Christ and his, his ongoing filling, filling of the Spirit that he gives us. Let me show you the second thought, and that is when heaven meets earth. Remember we said earlier there are two kingdoms. There's an earthly kingdom and a heavenly kingdom. Yesterday when we were in the park, we were getting ready to pray and I was kind of gathering there and it was really interesting. I came down Yorba Linda Boulevard. I came right down the hill. We were about a half mile away and I told my wife, I said, I feel a spirit of oppression just hit me. And I realized what it was. It was, we were going to pray in a public place for people's healing. And it was like the spirit uh, of, of this world was saying, don't do that. And I had a le certain level of discouragement. I'm going to do a good thing, and I've got a level of discouragement? That doesn't even make sense. And I sat there, and we waited. We got there about an hour early, and we were talking and praying and getting things set up. And as we sat there, I just, for the first hour, I was in a battle. 
And it wasn't until we began to pray and this, this gathering of prayer began to happen and people began to come and in that second hour began to feel the Spirit of God come in His power. And by the third hour, you know, I'm saying, this is, God is doing such a wonderful thing here. See, I experienced it too. We experience that in our life, that battle we have to go through. There are two kingdoms. And these kingdoms are separated by sin. Remember Adam? Here's Adam and Eve. God puts them in the garden, gets them the best place in town. Right? The Garden of Eden. Great name for a hotel. Because that's all it was. They checked in and then they checked out. Remember that? Got a couple of mints hanging on the tree. Don't eat that one. That's the only one they wanted. You ever notice you want what you can't have? That's why in the Ten Commandments it says, Thou shalt not covet. Because you want what you can't have, and then when you get it, you don't want it. Because you want what somebody else has. They check into the best hotel in town. They have to check out because of sin. But remember what was going on in that garden? If you go back and read in Genesis, it's kind of interesting, Genesis 2 and 3. It says that God, the voice of the Lord God, was walking among them in the cool of the garden. You know what that means? Earthly and spiritual kingdom were one. They were in the Garden of Eden with God, and they go, I don't think I like this. You know what's really interesting? Is the Bible begins in a garden and it ends in a garden. Because in the book of Revelation, guess what you find? You find another garden. You find the tree of life, and you find the 12 trees that are for the healing of the nations. You find the throne of God and this river of God coming out of the throne of God. And guess what? No tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And God shall dwell with them. They shall see his faces. They shall reign with him forever and ever. They will not need the sun or the moon or the stars for the glory of the Lord will be their light and they shall reign as kings. That was God's plan all along. But it's natural to resist the spiritual, is it not? You know, when I, when I write my tithe check, and I've tithed since the day I was saved, Every time I write it, I always, my mind always goes, you know what you could do with that? You ever do that? You know what you could do with that? Or my wife will come home and say, I went to the mall. I don't know how people afford all this. They've got bags and bags and stuff. And my first response is always, I'll bet they don't tithe. <laughs> we could free up the tithing money. You could have bags at the, at the mall. And there's something in the natural part of me just kind of wants to resist that. I No, I, yes, God says, yeah, and I know it's yours, God, but gee, think what we could do with this here. It's resistance. Same thing with prayer. Same thing with God's law. He said, you know, I'm going to test you in the wilderness so you'll know my law. That's what it says in Acts chapter 19, verses 8 and 9. It's interesting, this, this idea of the two kingdoms. It says, he went into the synagogue, he spoke boldly for three months. Talk about a firestorm. Went into the synagogue and began to preach, and he was there three months preaching in the synagogue, reasoning and persuading concerning the kingdom of God. But when some were hardened and did not believe. You see, he labored for three months, and yet there was a resistance there. It's interesting, we had a meeting this past week with the Orange County Jewish Federation. I, I think you know we're, we're participating in a, in a big event that's going to draw 10,000 people in Irvine, and they've asked us to be a part of that. They've asked our band to play in it. I mean, it's unbelievable. You want to talk about a miracle? I'm sitting in that meeting, and, 
and I said, well, they said, what are their ideas? You know, I said, well, we've got this band, and, and, they, and I said, but they're a Christian band, and they didn't seem to be bothered by it. I said, I guess we could come up with a couple of Jewish jingles. <laughs> we went through the songs, and, and now uh, they're going to do six songs, and they're going to back up another Jewish singer in six songs, and, I'm, and we went through all the songs, and we tried to find the ones that, you know, that didn't talk about the blood and, and Jesus, you know, we found, and, and we did pretty good. We sent it all to them. They go, this is great, and there's pamphlets when you go out today. It's, uh, it's about this big Jewish federation thing. You open it up, and there's the band. I mean, this is a miracle. They said, what else do you think? I think, well, it'd be great if maybe me and a rabbi could team up and do the pastor-rabbi gig on Friday nights at the synagogues. They said, yeah, that's a good idea. Those are miracles. You see, God's desire is to bring the two together. Remember this Lord's Prayer? Remember, it goes something like this. Thy kingdom come. Thy kingdom do what? Come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In other words, I want to get heaven on earth. Because earth ain't working real well. If I can get heaven in earth, we can have a better deal going on down here. I want to get, I want to invade, I want to invade this particular earthly kingdom. Acts chapter 8, verse 12, But when they believed Philip as he preached the things concerning the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, both men and women were baptized. Simon himself also believed, and when he was baptized, he continued with Philip and was amazed seeing the miracles and the signs that were being done. Wow, this is a kingdom invading. You ever notice how God takes the initiative in your life? Listen to what he says in verse 4. He says, I will rain down bread from heaven. They didn't even think of that. Listen to what it says. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. This is Galatians 1. Who gave himself for our sins that he might deliver us, listen to this, from this present evil age, according to the will of God our Father. Listen to John 6, verse 50 and 51. This is the bread which comes down from heaven, that one may eat and not die. How'd you like to eat one slice of bread and never die? That's all you ever needed to eat. That's what he's saying. One slice... Not one lace, but one slice, not one lace potato chip, one slice from heaven. You may eat and not die. I am the living bread which came down from heaven. That other bread wasn't living. I came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I shall give him is my flesh, which I shall give him for the life of the world. When you take that communion later today, and you take that little piece of bread and you put it in your mouth, it's, it's a reminder of this event, this Christ event where Christ died on the cross. Because God wants us to see His glory. Seeing the glory of God. How do you do that? In verse 7 it says, You shall see, you shall see the glory. You know what it's telling you here? Listen to the promises of God. What does God promise in His Word? His glory is given when God gives it. You know that you don't, you don't earn it, you don't deserve it. God gives you glory. Our complaints. Ever complain? Let's go back to that question again. How many of you have complained on the way to church just today? Raise your hand. I want to see a couple of you now. Some of your hands were up earlier. They're not now. What does that tell me about you? Let's try it one more time. How many complained on the way to church and admitted they did it whether they did it or not? I had a new thought on complaining. Listen to this. You know what? Our complaints are earthly prayers. Of frustration. 
Our complaints are earthly prayers of frustration. They're spoken to a God who doesn't exist, who doesn't listen. But watch how the God, the true God, responds to that. They remind us that our faith is weak. It says in Scripture that God hears our complaints and He increases our faith by His acts of mercy. What does God do when He hears our complaints? He gives them bread. God wants your faith to increase more than He wants to correct you. Let me say that again. God wants your faith to increase more than He wants to correct you. God is not a cosmic killjoy. He's not trying to put a wet blanket on all your fun. He's trying to get you to understand what it means to walk in this spiritual kingdom. So what God does is He gives you a glimpse of glory to keep you moving in the right direction. It was when they looked to the wilderness, the scripture says, and they could not see His glory until they looked to the wilderness, and then they saw it in a cloud. The glory appears when you look toward the wilderness. It's then that you see that your problem is above your pay grade. The wilderness reminds you that unless God does a miracle, you will not survive. When you look toward the wilderness, you face your difficulty, you face your fears, and you say, God, would you just please show up? Would you just please show up? How many of you drive faster than you should? How many of you prayed that policemen go blind when they when you drive by? <laughs> I've done that. I've been driving by and I look, oh, you know, and I'm going at least one or two miles over. <laughs> and I say, oh, God, strike that poor man with temporary blindness. Restore it as soon as I pass by. You know, there's something sometimes in you that just says, God, I just got to get through this day. Admit your fears and find God's presence. Admit your fears, God, find God's protection. Admit your fears and find God's power. John chapter 2, verse 11 says of that turning the water into wine, he said, This is the beginning of the signs which Jesus did at Cana of Galilee and manifested his glory. John 2, he manifested his glory. And his disciples believed in him. No wonder it says in John 1, 14, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld His glory, the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace, full of truth. Let me give you some life applications. Here's the first one. It's in the wilderness. Don't hate the wilderness. God puts you there for a reason. It's in the wilderness that you see glimpses of God's glory. Also, the journey is necessary for transformation. You really, really can't come to a place of understanding transformation until you go on the journey with God. I don't know where you are on the journey, what's happening in your life. The one thing that hit me yesterday when we were at the prayer and, and healing service was this. There are a lot more struggles than I imagined in people's lives. That was the greatest truth I walked away from. Just a heart of compassion for the, the hurting and the difficulty and the struggles that people have in life. We kind of come into a setting like this and we kind of assume maybe we're the only ones that are going through a tough time. And I want you just to remember, just you walk around, you walk out, remember that the people around you, they may be going through something 
more difficult than you are and extend love and compassion and throw one of those prayers at them. Just say, oh God, I pray for them. I don't know what's going on, but I pray grace and mercy on them.